This is the Clockwise Podcast from the editors of Macworld, PC World, and Tech Hive for Wednesday, January 8th. Clockwise, four guests, 30 minutes, standing in a parking lot. Welcome back to Clockwise. I'm Jason Snell. I'm not joined by Dan Morin today because I'm standing in a parking lot in Las Vegas, Nevada at the Consumer Electronics Show. And we're so committed to the Clockwise format that we're going to do a podcast from this very parking lot. Joining me on Clockwise today are Philip Michaels. Hi. Hi. You really know how to treat your guests on this show. This, so is, this is a fabulous setting and a great a studio. It's a spacious parking lot. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Also here, Leah Yamshon. Welcome back. At least it's not as cold as the podcast room where we normally are. <laughs> oh, and it's much more spacious. And joining us for the second time, because he doesn't actually live in San Francisco or work for us, but we had him in Montreal and he's back in Las Vegas. It's Renee Ritchie from Imore. Hi, Renee. For Perrier and green M&Ms, Jason, in the green you can, M&Ms. You Canadians are so demanding. Uh, so it's here's how this works. We do four topics. We all talk about them for less than five minutes, and then we're done. And this is the CES edition. We're going to talk about CES. And because I am the host of the show, I'm going to go first. And Dan's not here, so haha, take that, Dan. I wanted to talk about televisions. Now, at CES, you know, every year they try to sell us a new television, and people don't buy new televisions every year, or two years, or three years. The HD revolution was really good for the TV makers, but it's been a little rough lately. The 3D thing didn't take off. People didn't want it. So I wanted to talk about TVs here and what, what, what you guys saw in terms of TVs. There are lots of TVs here. What impressed me most about this is that I feel like they actually have products for the first time in a while. The 4K TVs, the OLED TV TVs, they seem real. They seem like they're actually going to ship and people might actually buy them. I'm not sure if there's content for 4K TVs or not, but um, I, I would encourage that the TV industry has gotten out of this suck hole of, of 3D where they've lived for the last three years and are on to the next thing, which is this ultra HD picture and some new display technologies. Phil, what do you think about TVs at CES? Well, last year I sat in on some demos of, of uh, 4K TVs and... While the picture was impressive, the overall story was not. Uh, like you say, the, the the content was missing at the time, so you had pictures that you had to upconvert to appear on uh, on Ultra HD, which sort of defeated the purpose of spending lots of money to watch uh, grainy, blown-up uh, images of such. I think that changed significantly this year, uh, particularly uh, as I as I might have mentioned on earlier uh, better podcasts. Oh, hey, <laughs> uh, uh, Sony uh, had a really strong message this year about four. Um, bringing out uh, Netflix CEO Reed Hastings, uh, talking about all the shows that its studios are producing in native 4K content. Also, uh, uh, it's a support for Google's 4K standard for web stuff. They really seem to get that right now, a lot of uh, 4K stuff is going to be coming from the web in the form of uh, web videos, in the form of media streaming uh, from, from the Netflix of the world. And while it's not enough to make me run out and pay for a 4K television set at this point, it at least uh, at least it doesn't seem like the kind of product for our nation's richest, most foolish kings. All right. Leah, what do you think? What I like about 4K technology is it's a natural progression from the HD that we already have. It's something that consumers can get excited about and just think like, okay, this is what's next for TVs. It's not gimmicky. It's still TV. It just looks a lot better than what we HD. already have. It's the next HD. Um, I don't think 3D TVs in the living room really took off because they were too gimmicky. It hurts your eyes after a little while. No one wants to wear glasses. There's just too much about it that was not 
super consumer friendly. And this really is. Um, like Phil said, I don't think I'm going to rush out to get one now. It's too expensive. Um, but it's it's the thing that is coming. And I'm sure eventually that will just be the normal HD standard. Renee? Yeah, I didn't like 3D at all, uh, at all, at all. No. But 4K, if you have a television set, previously you had a television set, if you were a basketball player, you get 120 inches, but it was a pathetic, you know, retina-searing 1080p. And now you can get a 2160p TV set, you can have all those pixels, you don't need a projector anymore to have a big experience. I'm just waiting for the time when they're above 30 hertz on my Mac, Jason. That's my only concern now. All right, fair enough. Well, that was not, that was fast too. Very impressive, Renee. You know how to do this. Yeah, it's a TV's back. I, whether whether people are going to be buying 4K TVs anytime soon, I think it's an open question. But I, it seems like a realistic future for the TV makers in a way that it wasn't uh, with 3D. Phil, what's your topic? Well, strangely, it's about Apple, even though Apple uh, does not come to this show. Not here. Another reason why Apple is much smarter than the rest of us. But. <laughs> um, Apple very much in the news for its many, many disputes with Samsung, be they legal, be they uh, uh, moral and ethical in copying. I, I put it to you that Samsung, Samsung is not Apple's greatest threat nor its greatest rival. I think Sony poses the greatest uh, competitive threat to Apple, and I'll, I, I wonder if Leah agrees with me. Um, I don't agree. I don't disagree. My, my thing with Apple is... If you're talking about the phone space, which I believe you are considering an earlier conversation that we had, if we're looking at this at the phone space, I don't think anyone is really super close to dethroning Apple. That's something that if it happens, it's probably not going to happen for a couple of years. So in that sense, I don't think that Sony is a super close competitor to Apple, but Sony's doing a lot of really, really innovative things with um, home connections, which I will be talking about very soon. So they're a company that Apple should be keeping an eye on um, in terms of fully connected devices. Yeah, you know, Apple makes all their money on hardware, so their greatest threat are companies like Google that commoditize hardware and try to remove all value from that chain. That being said, the Samsungs and Sonys and LGs, they make refrigerators. They make ovens that will tweet at you and text message you in the middle of the night. They make vacuums that will be, you know, commanded by your phone. And Apple doesn't doesn't manufacture all of those things. So I'm interested to see if things like uh, iOS in the car or bi-directional AirPlay will let Apple, because Apple's not going to license iOS and they're not going to start making toaster ovens, but they might let people project to any surface or any display possible, and that way you can get iOS into your car. I want it on my camera. I want it on my stove. You know, it's much easier to use the phone I know than have to relearn every crazy interface these people come up with. Renee, if you put iOS on your stove, it'll burn. Um, <laughs> but don't I, forget I, about the toaster fridge. I think Tim Cook's going to surprise yeah. us all there. So Sony, I, my, I, I don't know. I'm skeptical about Sony because I've seen, I, I reviewed the Sony Xperia tablet this summer. Sony... Um, unlike many other of the Android licensees, said we've got our own entertainment experience. We own our own uh, movie studio. We are in the entertainment business. And yet what they produce, just just as sort of they've done on PlayStation, it's kind of weird. It only works with Sony stuff. I guess in that way they are Apple-like. But I've yet to see, I'm not sure Sony's presentation of their entertainment stuff uh, outside of the gaming world, has been strong enough that they, they have an ebook store, but nobody really uses it. It's not it. the Trinitron anymore, Jason. It's, not, it's Jason. not the Trinitron anymore. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I've got some skepticism. They are in an interesting position in that they do have all that entertainment stuff lined up. If they can put the hardware and the entertainment stuff and the software together, but that's been a tough thing for Sony to do in the past.
Here's why I think that uh, uh, Sony poses many threats to Apple. I'm, I'm no fan of Android phones. The Xperia, it's okay. But they introduced something this week called the Xperia Transfer that makes it really easy to switch phones, whether it's uh, uh, from another Android phone or from an iPhone, without ever having to plug into a computer. It would be a phone-to-phone transfer of your, your contacts, your messages, uh, even apps, although it's really just a, here's all the apps you can buy on Google Play that you already bought on in the iOS store. Uh, will it convince people to switch? I don't know, but it will certainly would make it easier. Also, I think that uh, Sony's TV message was compelling enough this week and that they seem to get the streaming media thing to where if Apple is working on that television set of Gene Munster's fevered dreams, uh, Sony uh, would give them a, a go, I think. And that's why, that's why uh, I, I, I think more so than, than Samsung, which is uh, certainly a Me Too kind of company. All right. That's, maybe those maybe are Sony's not getting it together. Yeah. Maybe so. Say, Leah, you look like you have something to say about connected homes. Well, yes, Phil. As a matter of fact, I do. Amazing. Today, I went to, speaking of Sony, I went to a Sony connected living room. It was called the UX, and it looks just like a very normal living room. Very pretty bare bones and modern. Um, But once you got into it, it was all connected through a series of projectors that were placed in unobtrusive ways around the room. So if you sat, for example, you sat at the kitchen table, there was a projector inside the light and it would project um, a couple of different widgets onto your dining room table, like your calendar, like some sticky notes from your roommates. Um, You could have your email on there. You could look at some photos. You could browse web content while sitting there and having your breakfast on this like nice big flat table. There were some cool projectors in the lights that kind of made some new interesting ambient things that paired with what you were watching on your big 147-inch like projected TV on the wall in front of you. And it was a really, it was a nice experience, but of course it was just a prototype. And I feel like every year there's these big living room prototype demos. It's like, this is what we can do. But is it something that will ever actually happen? And is it something that consumers actually want? Renee. I am so conflicted about this because on one hand, I want that Tony Stark house. I want Jarvis. I want <laughs> Bill Gates' house so badly. But on the other hand, given all the revelations about spying and, and surveillance, I am petrified of having everything connected because as much as I am looking at it, it is looking back at me. It is that place I dare not look for. It is looking back at me. And I can't get over the idea that... All this stuff is becoming intelligent, but in a dumb way. And I want to make sure that if we do get all these devices, that I can, I can make sure that stove is not staring at me, that fridge is not listening to me, um, and that it's actually serving me and making my life better and not just plugging me into a network from which I can never, not ever escape. Yeah, it, it, it's, I, I think you're right. I have a uh, drop cam at my house, which uh, I only plug in when we leave. Uh, and it's got settings to... You know, it's got passwords and it's encrypted and uh, it, it can sense when my iPhone is in the house and turn itself off when I'm present. And yet, you know what? It's an internet connected video camera with audio and video and I don't want it looking at me. I just don't want it. So I, I, I see that point. You're right, Leah, there are always these alliances of various kinds and they shift back and forth saying, we're going to connect the home. And it hasn't really happened yet. I feel like we're getting there, but we're not getting there with the big, grandiose, um, you know, Stanley Kubrick kind of dream. And it, it's little fits and starts. So it's things like the Nest 
or it's a thing like Xbox and Connect. And, it, and it's little bits here and there that will eventually, I mean, the nice thing is that we've got Wi-Fi in our houses now, so getting these little devices on is gonna be easier. I wonder sometimes if, if this works by having all of the devices be really small and really stupid, but all interconnected, and then they talk to each other or they talk to us and we make some decisions about it instead of having them kind of be the brains of the operation. I, I, I'd rather my light bulb and my, uh, and my nest and my, my oven and my refrigerator, I don't want them to talk to each other. That's dangerous. I don't want them, they could, they could collaborate and destroy me. So, I, you know, I don't know. I feel like it's really happening, but it's going to happen way slower and way messier than any of these dreams that we see at CES. And maybe that's okay, because again, I don't, like Renee, I don't really want them watching me. And I, I think it's, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, as you say, on a smaller scale. I'm, I, I'm no, no big connected home fan. Uh, we we have our our hotel rooms this week have been kind of fancy with the with the strange buttons oh, for the, tu- the touchscreen the, controls and the, and yeah the, yeah and and boy that that it's can, inconvenient it is very inconvenient <laughs> but uh, this week I saw a lot of interesting uh, work being done with lights uh, lights you can control from your iPhone or uh, I'm not sure that this is necessarily a connected home but li- lights that uh, strip out the the kind of blue uh, blue hues that keep you awake that signal to your brain that oh you need to be alert and they strip them out so that's a, a, a night reading lamp you can have so that you can continue to read and uh, and have your brain sort of power down I, I, I like that kind of advance in, in home automation and, and home technology uh, and plus it, I, I don't think the government can surveil me from my uh, from my light bulbs oh he's 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 reading far too much. He's dangerous. So you're so naive to yeah. think that your light bulbs aren't watching you. But sure, go ahead. Um, but uh, uh, to answer the the larger issue, no. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I would really want from the demo that I saw at CES this year is the ability to project the current sky onto my ceiling so that I'm looking uh, up at the sky, like which which makes it camping. But it also gets me one step closer to my ultimate dream, which is to live in Hogwarts. Nice, nice. Okay, so connected, uh, connected magic schools is what we really need, not connected, connected homes. magic schools. Forever. Very nice. <laughs> Speaking of connected magic, the other big story, and we all knew it was going to be a big story. We approached it with anticipation and a little bit of apprehension. Is this Internet of Things, where every device around us starts becoming smarter, frankly, than we are? Um, for a long time at CES, it was about what new device was coming out, and then what new accessories could make that device better. And now the devices are so good, it's about what they can do to make everything else better. So now, you know, we spoke about the living rooms being connected and the appliances being connected, but it's not just that. It's these health devices. It's our beds being connected. It's eye beacons everywhere. So anything can have a chip and everything can have a radio and they can all use Bluetooth low energy or NFC or some other technology to sort of create a hive. It's, you know, like like GPS monitored the big picture and now these are all monitoring the little tiny picture. I have the same apprehension about this stuff that I have about the living room, but at the same time it offers this level of convenience of taking me places and you know making sure I'm healthy getting me motivated that I'm I'm really excited for it I can't help myself I really like the uh, the life logging kind of phenomenon I mean I've got a weather station in my ba- my backyard and I you know the measuring your steps on a Fitbit. And I like that information when I want to see it and maybe I learn something from it. So having a device on my wrist that can measure my heartbeat, my, my pulse, 
um, my knows what my exercise is, maybe even looks at things like blood sugar and and can and, and can take that and and you know if not squeal to my doctor about me misbehaving, but to say hey you might want to watch this or you might want to ask your doctor about this. I like that. I, I I agree. I have some apprehension about anything being misused, but I feel like that might be a case where as soon as there's doctor client or doctor patient uh, confidentiality between me and my smartphone, I'll I'll be okay with that. But it, it is you know we we're gonna have to grapple with privacy and all of these things. But but um, I don't know. I'm encouraged by the idea of having those little sensors, um, knowing yeah. things because boy you know as human beings there are lots of things that we are our brains make us not notice. And uh, because otherwise it would make life impossible. You know, we don't we don't pay attention to every breath we take. But a sensor could do that and could say, "Do you realize that you know you have sleep apnea?" And that I think is uh, is cool as long as it's uh, used properly. Yeah, I'm. I have yet to to, to cotton to the this wearable trend. Uh, as, as listeners who've seen pictures of me know. Fitness is not your focus? Fitness is not my friend. Um, maybe it should be. Maybe if I, I wore a wearable device, it would convince me to, to uh, exercise more. What I, feel, what, what I fear it would do is give me more things to fret about. Give me, give me more uh, data points about how I'm going to die very soon. And uh, That would be a heck of a push notification. Yeah, that would... <laughs> You're about to die. Yes. That's the, that's the, dismiss that push notification, please. <laughs> Snooze. Uh, uh, perhaps there will someday be the wearable thing that uh, makes me say, oh, I, I get this now. Just like the iPod was the, the thing that made me say, oh, now I understand why I want a, a portable music device. But... Uh, Right now, it's 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 the, the I'm not finding the data. The, there hasn't been a company yet that pre- that creates the device that presents the data in a way that I find very actionable. It's it's interesting to see, but I'm not sure what I'm I'm supposed to do with it. Yeah, Phil, you kind of hit the nail on the head for me. I haven't jumped on the wearables trend yet either because yes, this data is interesting, but to me, there is no real way to make that data actionable. Um, if if these devices were giving us recommendations or a little bit, if they were a little bit smarter, I guess, in what this data means for your overall picture of health or your overall patterns, if they're say, if all of a sudden they're like, you walked way less steps today than you normally do, are you okay? What's wrong? Or, you know, it, you know the sun still, you know, the sun doesn't go down for another half hour. You can get in a walk. You can get in, get a, in walk. a run. Yeah. Or even the thing with sleep apnea. I got, hey, I noticed that you were tossing and turning quite a bit. Or your snores sound off. Maybe these things can start to, to listen to you in a not creepy way, of course. Um, but yeah, it, things that if I would like to see in the next generation of, of wearables and sensors is um, a way to make this data more interesting and more actionable, really. Right now, it just doesn't super interest me how many steps I take in a day and that, so. Fair enough. Jason, you've tweeted making waffles for the third time this week. Your doctor is being alerted. There's too many waffles in the... I have the Pebble, I have the Fuel Band, I have the Fitbit, I have the Hue light bulbs, I have the Sonos speakers, but they're still not really connected to each other. They're only connected to me. So if I can keep that central hub, you know, Apple can put Touch ID in things. They can put Siri in things. They can put whatever they do with Prime Sense in things. As long as I get to be the connector and the decider of these things, I'll be happy. So basically what we're saying is what we don't want is for them to gang up on us. 
So that's good. To, that's good to know. Okay. We're it, really afraid of our appliances killing us. I think. Yeah, I, I, this is clearly a theme here at, at the client, appliances that kill you electronics show. Um, so, and now we're going to say goodbye. Uh, but before we go, we've got our last bonus question. This bonus question is simple. It is Las Vegas, pro or con? When I was in my twenties, I was pro. Now that I'm in my forties and hate people. <laughs> Particularly the, particularly the kind of people that have the, we're in Vegas and what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, baby mindset. Very con. So con. So you've come around on it. Oh. You were yeah. married in Las I Vegas. I was married in Las Vegas. It was a lovely ceremony. It was a very different town back then. Um, and now it's, um, it's, it's, kind of a, it's, it's kind of a pit. Leah Pro or con? If I am here for 72 hours or less, it is a pro. If I am here for 72 hours or more, it is a con. This trip has been a pro. I Get out of town quick. I'm getting out of town quick. It's, I have not hit my I hate this place breaking point yet. Um, I do not like the smoking inside. God help me. It yeah. is awful. I come home smelling terrible. That is a big, pro, that is a big, 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 big con for me. Fair, fair enough. Renee? I love all Las Vegas people, but my favorite Las Vegas is the one I fly over between Montreal and San Francisco. Oh, uh, we're going to call that a con. All right, well, then I guess it's time for me to weigh in, Phil. And uh, my answer is con. I really don't like Las Vegas. It's not my thing. It's just not the things that are here that are supposedly fun. I don't find them fun. I don't think I even found them fun in my 20s, but I certainly don't find them fun in my 40s. So, oh, well. That's how it is. We're here anyway, and we hope that we brought interesting information back to all those people who can't come to Las Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show. I want to thank my guests on this special outdoors edition of Clockwise as the temperature drops as the sun goes down. Philip Michaels, thanks for being here. The desert is very cold at night. It, it is. <laughs> Leah Yamshan, thank you so much for being back on. Thank you. I'll see you back in San Francisco in yeah, two hours. Exactly. And Renee Ritchie, tell the good people, listeners of Clockwise, where they can listen to you on other many fine podcasts. You can find me at imore.com slash podcast or just watch at Renee Ritchie on Twitter and I tweet them all out. That's right. Those are all excellent things to do. And I am Jason Snell. One last time as the monorail roars past goodbye from Las Vegas and we'll see you next week on another edition of Clockwise. Clockwise.